Hello and welcome to the AP Top 25 College Football Podcast. I'm Ralph Russo, the college football writer with the Associated Press. The preseason AP Top 25 has arrived, which means college football is really right around the corner. As has become tradition around here, after the preseason poll drops, we catch up with the great Reese Davis from ESPN's College Game Day. Reese and I will talk about how he voted on the poll and preview a season that feels very high on uncertainty. We asked Reese to give us some teams that he is most intrigued by heading into the season, and we bounced around the country to discuss more than a handful. If you're looking for more in-depth previews of each conference, you can find them on our previous episodes. We hit every Power 5 conference plus a G5 and Notre Dame preview. Thanks for listening to the AP Top 25 College Football Podcast. You can find us at appodcast.com, where you can find my colleague Rob Motti's excellent NFL podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and just about anywhere you like to get your pods. If you like what you hear, please, please, please take a minute to give us a good review and rating It helps more college football fans find us, and it helps us find more college football fans. And away we go. Joining me this week on the podcast, the day after the AP Top 25 preseason poll comes out, voter and uh, all-around good guy. And oh, by the way, you might remember him and recognize him from ESPN's College Game Day, Reese Davis. Reese, thanks so much for A, being a voter, for doing this. And uh, and just for all your good work, How, how's how's your summer going, Reese? It, it's it's been uh, it's been very good. Uh, we've had a you know good family time and so forth. But now it's just about time to play football. So I'll be uh, you know Lee Corso always tells me don't wish your life away. So I'm going to enjoy these last couple of weeks. But then I. I'll also be excited once we get started. Yeah, that's a that's a good uh, good advice from Coach, who will be who will be doing game day again this year. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right. All right. He's uh, we we've had uh, meetings, and in fact, we're I'm at our seminar right now, and LC's not here. He doesn't he doesn't need this type of thing. But we've uh, <laughs> we've already talked about about things that we can do to put him in great positions and really. Uh, let him shine as Lee Corso, and you know he's he's still got it. He's still fired up and excited, and we're we're looking forward to the season with. Yeah, well, I always feel like the season kind of starts when the poll comes out. I mean, you know, that, that, mm-hmm. listen, that's partially me being a little selfish, and it's sort of my my the way the rhythms of my life go uh, are very much based around the the AP poll. But I do think it does sort of you know sort of lay the lay the the groundwork for the season. We're only a couple mm-hmm. of weeks out now. We sort of have the okay, this is how these teams line up. We've been sort of talking about these teams and previewing them all year. I did one quick thing before we get into a couple of the 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 teams and how you how you ranked them and how they are ranked is I do wonder as a voter because I, I get this co- comment a lot from somebody who you know puts together the poll but doesn't vote on it. And you know people will ask me, well, is is there any surprises in the poll? 
or anything that jumped out at you. And I find myself constantly sort of going these days, you know, we've been ranking these teams, not we, you and I, Reese, but we sort of the college football media since the day after the last championship game. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think it's becoming harder and harder not to build up sort of this uh, subconscious consensus around the poll by the time it comes out in August so that it's not going to be particularly surprising. You know, this is not to say like, hey, how do you try to avoid that? But I, I wonder if you've noticed that, too, that it's just it's hard not to sort of take in the way too early rankings and so much information that we sort of toy with during the off season that there ends up being sort of a, 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 a the the voters sort of coalesce around a, a relatively um, agreed upon um, order of these teams. I think it's I think that's a fair assessment of it. I wouldn't even call it a criticism because my counter to it would be, well, what would you do differently other sure. than rank the team that you like higher? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So but but I do. But I do think that's very true, because when you go through the various preseason publications or the way too early top 25s or all of those things, um, sometimes you look at it and you and you sort of answer the question I just asked with the same one to yourself, you're like, what would I do different? And it's really tough to find um, a real reason not to rank Alabama, Ohio state, Georgia, in some order, one, two, three. Mm -hmm. I mean, what else are you going to do? And, you know, people say, well, it's always the same teams. Well, the same teams are always winning. (laughs) And, you know, so, I mean, and that's not nothing, you know, that that's something people, you know, people will say they want to start with this blank slate. Well, all of these teams do, and they win all of their games or the overwhelming majority of them. So, you know, I'm not too bothered by it. Um, I, I can't stand it when people say, well, let's wait till mid season. Well, that's what the college football playoff selection committee does. And everybody gets mad about that too. So, you know, this to me builds up a little excitement. It sets it sets a pecking order, and you and I have discussed this before. I really think that in the early part of the season, it ought to be really fluid among those of us who vote. Meaning that, for instance, uh, I'm I'm looking at my poll right now, and let's say that I'm way wrong about Utah. You know, and, and they and they don't play well, or maybe they squeak by what I deem to be at this point anyway, an average SEC team in Florida. And it's road game, first game, whatever. You got you've got to give them some latitude. But let's say a ball bounces off a tube and they're fortunate to win. Well, I don't have to keep them number five. You know, I, I should drop them. If Clemson still can't move the ball, they don't need to stay there. And uh, you know, by contrast, if uh, you know, I'm not as high on USC as a lot. Of, I'm, I'm taking a real wait and see approach to this first year with Lincoln Riley and all of the transfers. Sure, they're talented, but if I'm wrong and they are, you know, they look awesome the first three, four weeks of the season, then I should move them up accordingly, and you know, not um, not necessarily punish them for what I might have thought of them here in mid-August. It should be very fluid. You shouldn't be trying to reflect your predictions or let me rephrase i shouldn't be trying as a voter to validate my predictions Mm -hmm. i should be trying to reflect what i see on the field 
Good way to put it. Good way to put it. So the one thing that I think has also been a fair consensus out of this year's, you know, heading into the season, we, you talked about the, the three, uh, Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia, and that's how they came out in order as far as the poll is concerned. Uh, and that's how, how you happen to have them as well, Alabama, Ohio mm-hmm. State, and Georgia. Uh, you know, I, I've looked at it just as an observer and find myself thinking, boy, like, I don't know if anybody should be four. That's the way I've been putting it. You know, <laughs> like, like none of these teams look real. I'm, am I really comfortable putting four? Now, you had Clemson. Clemson was also four in the uh, in the when the poll came out. Um, but not just four, but four through ten. I feel like all those teams in that range kind of I find myself thinking yeah maybe maybe not I mean you know we can't skip from three to 12 so this Mm -hmm. is where we are and I'm wondering again that's been the 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 prevailing theme coming out of this early rankings from a lot of voters I've heard from and from myself as as far as that my takeaway I'm wondering if you felt that way that once you got to four you were like well I guess I'm gonna have to go with these guys that uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, I I defaulted to the team that I believe to be the most talented, uh, being Clemson. But with the changes in both coordinators, the obvious question at quarterback, and they have one, you know, whether they want to say that or not, they certainly do. Now, they've got, you know, Uyangalale is talented, but certainly had some flaws that need to be addressed and they have a highly touted freshman who hasn't played now now in fairness that worked out pretty well for them the last time <laughs> last time they were in this scenario with a, a quarterback who had some ability but maybe some limitations in Kelly Bryant and they had Trevor Lawrence waiting in the wings and you know I'm sure they would hope that this is a similar situation or better yet that DJ plays well sure but I'm not convinced they're number four they they just seem to me to be the team most likely to be able to solve some of their ills, uh, them or Utah. I, I came very close to putting Utah four. Um, I was really back and forth on those two, but the other ones, um, I mean, I would say all the way, at least to mine, all the way down to 15 or 16 or maybe even lower. I just, you know, I, I just didn't, uh, didn't have a great feel for, for, which order those teams should be in, in terms of, uh, in terms of being convicted about it and saying this team is absolutely going to be better because they all have questions. I mean, you know, Michigan certainly has questions and, and Notre Dame and A&M and, you know, Oklahoma, um, you know, all of these teams, Baylor, you know, all, all of them have significant questions. We have, you know, Oregon, I have them ranked a little bit lower, I believe than the poll came out, but Oregon's sitting there at 11, They've got a new coach and a transfer quarterback who is who has ability, but has been a roller coaster ride his entire career. You know, so you know, you know, they might wind up being great. They might get blown out opening week and not be heard from again. So you know, it's a it's really it's a difficult thing. I think beyond three. Okay, so that sort of sets up where instead of going through Reese's rankings and going through the poll, what we kind of wanted to do is, and I think he may have given you a hint here, a a little bit of a a little bit of foreshadowing on some of his his picks. I wanted to basically, you know, sort of run through most interesting, most intriguing. You know, uh, as you said, it's a year where you look at the top, as you as you said, from four to sixteen, and find yourself going, yeah, I think I'm interested. I like that team. 
but I'm not really sure. So I guess my my question to you, Reese, is it's not doesn't necessarily have to be who you think is the best or who you think are the most or have the highest ceilings, but just give me, I, I, you know, we said five, but it could be three, it could be two, it could be four, it could be seven. G- give me the teams that you when I when I say to you most interested teams that you are just really fascinated to see this year because they have interesting storylines, interesting questions, and maybe just the type of uncertainty that we're talking about that leads them to have a very high ceiling and maybe even kind of a low floor. So when I just say most intriguing teams, Reese Davis, where does your mind go? First one I think it goes to is North Carolina State. Um, Very talented quarterback coming back, a lot of experience coming back. But the biggest question mark I have about North Carolina State is will they avoid stepping on a rake and hitting themselves in the face? You know, (laughs) they've got 10 guys back on defense. And, you know, I know they got a little upset with me when I pointed this out last year and I was trying to do it playfully. But as you know, sometimes being playful doesn't play well with certain (laughs) fan segments. And I sort of jokingly said on game day, well, I wasn't really joking. There was a a bit of seriousness in it that Wolfpacking was the new Clemsoning. You know Mm -hmm. how in the old days, you know, Clemson got all bent out of shape because we would say, you know, they Clemsoned it. You know, they lost a game they shouldn't have lost. And. I said Wolfpacking was the new Clemsoning. Um, I I think they've got a chance to overcome that this year. They've got a terrific quarterback. They've got everybody back on defense, including some guys who were injured last year: Peyton Wilson, uh, linebacker Drake Thomas. They you know they've got they've got talent. They do have some questions at running back and and different things like that. But they're the first team that I look at and, and say. They're really interesting. They could have a gargantuan year. Um, yeah, I, I think, think I think sometimes it's just hard to get get past the idea that we haven't seen them do it. Right. I right. think that's part of it. For right? sure. And and you know what, Ralph? That's part of that's the most overused term among coaches, especially new coaches. It's culture. We're going to establish our culture. You know, <laughs> but it's it's not nothing. It is something. And and I think they have a good culture at NC State, but do you know? Can they handle success? Can they handle the expectation of you're supposed to win this game? I'm not talking about being ready to play against Clemson. They'll go in and play their tails off against Clemson. It's like, can you, like last year, I know Miami's supposed to be better, but can you finish the deal against Miami? Mm-hmm. Can you make sure you don't lose yeah. that game? Um, you know, that, that kind of stuff, I think, that is separating. What separates them from being a really good program, which they are a really good program, and potentially being a championship caliber program, which is what they aspire to be. Okay, next up there. So we have the Wolf Pack. Who else? Where else does your mind go when you're looking for intriguing teams, teams that, that Reese Davis is especially interested to watch this year? Well, one that I'll get to see in their first game is Pittsburgh because of all of the turmoil that they've had in the offseason with Jordan Addison leaving, with, uh, with Narduzzi being the great quote, <laughs> uh, Keaton Slovis coming over. They have. A really, really stout defense, uh, especially up front. They'll get a shot at Tennessee, which is another team I will talk about that I'm anxious to see early in the season. But Pittsburgh is one. Can they sustain their success from last year after suffering all the losses that 
did they have a good season or have they elevated their program? So that's another team that I'm I'm really interested to see. And I won't just run down the list. I'd like I, I know well, you prefer this to be a conversation. Me too. But I, I mean, I think them against Tennessee is one of the more compelling early season games um, that that'll be coming up. Well, and you said you'll be. Are you calling the backyard brawl, or are no, you, or are you guys doing actually, a show there? We're doing we're doing a show. Okay, we're, okay. We're going to start there and on Thursday night, and then go from there to Columbus. For That's the very Notre cool. Ohio State game. Uh, yeah, it, we're excited about it. It's, it's, a, a, it's such a, a great, great way to kick off the season. Yeah, it's such a great rivalry, and one of the many that has sort of gone in on the on the shelf into the well. We'll get back to it later. Been when because of conference realignment, and uh, and, and 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 there's a, a few more of them scheduled out. I think actually West Virginia is sort of an interesting team because they've been a little spinning their wheels under Neil Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, to a certain degree, not bad, but maybe haven't been able to get over the hump as well. So now, now listen, I'm just excited that this rivalry is back. And yes, very cool way for you guys to start off. Also, for people who you know, you know, who maybe aren't around this part of the country, um, not not that long of a drive to Columbus. <laughs> that, that, that's no, a pretty that's I, a pretty short I, trip, actually. Yeah, you know what? I haven't nailed down i haven't heard all of the logistics nailed down yet but i'm really hoping that we take the game day bus because mm-hmm. that that would that would be the way to do it because <laughs> it is he able to it is in morgantown right yeah it's in morgantown no no, no it's in pittsburgh. oh it's in pittsburgh, it's in, it's oh, in pittsburgh. oh i'm sorry yeah. Oh, okay yeah, yeah okay because yeah. i bet say from morgantown there's a little bit of a you can't get there from here and like you just got to drive right, right. <laughs> like yeah. if you're just going to drive to pittsburgh to jump on a to jump on a plane you might as well just keep going so yeah. That, yeah. that that'll be a fun way to start the season again we're really happy to have the the backyard brawl back so you got north carolina state you got a little very big acc flavor here in your in your early like you know teams you're really interested to look at it, it really interested to see how their season plays out uh where do you go next Reese I'll go I'll go Big Ten uh there are a couple of teams there one is Minnesota um which I have ranked in my preseason top 25 I think with the offensive coordinator Kirk Scirocco coming back that that is the situation which Tanner Morgan has played his best football he's been around a long time they have uh, the guys who came back for a six-year, what I think they're calling themselves the Encore Four uh, at Minnesota. I, I think they're the best team in the Big Ten West. Um, so I, I favor them and think they're going to win it. I'm not as high on Wisconsin. Um, I, need, I need to see Iowa move the football a little bit. Um, and along with Minnesota, uh, I don't know that I've ever seen a more hard luck team and a more a team that was more eager to create bad situations for themselves than Nebraska. Hmm. But Nebraska brought in a lot of talented guys. I didn't rank them, uh, Ralph, as you know, but I was I was a little tempted to be honest because you know to get the proverbial get ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. I think they've got a chance to have a pretty good season. Um, I do think Minnesota's the best team, and I realize you know when Wisconsin lines up and runs over everybody's they've done so often I might look foolish with doing this but with all of the guys gone and they've had you know inconsistency at quarterback I really think uh, Minnesota could make the Big Ten championship game this year and I'm really eager to to see if they get improved play in the passing game 
uh, with the return to Chirac at the at the offensive coordinators. Don't poke fun at me for being a gadget guy. You want lemon zest? I've got a zester. Gapping spark plugs? Let me grab my spark plug gauge. And for sure, I'm a Regions app guy when I need to check balances, deposit checks, make transfers, or make an appointment. Regions tech is always at my fingertips. You need anytime access to your accounts. Regions gets it. So switch to Regions Life Green Checking for our highly rated app, online tools, and personal service that helps you live in the moment. Visit Regions.com to learn more. Regions Bank Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. What interests me in looking at the poll, and again, I look at it like a lot of fans do. You know, I I critique the voters a little bit and say, I don't like that. I I, I do like this. I would have had this team a little higher. Um, I probably just do it a little more gently than we get from some fans, Mm -hmm. but nonetheless. But I thought I I was along the lines of what you're thinking in that when I saw Wisconsin get ranked, Iowa just outside, and Minnesota fairly, you know, sort of off into the – pretty deep down into the others receiving bin my my initial reaction was well, I, I think all three of those teams were about the same like I, I don't I don't really see much difference between these three and I would even throw Nebraska and, and Purdue as like you know I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if that's in the mix too you know when we previewed the Big Ten a couple of weeks back with Dave Revson you know it, I was sort of along the lines of like I, I could see almost like a five team race here in mm-hmm. the Big Ten West um with you know just sort of throw a dart here i mean you, you, i think i can understand why people might sort of be pulled towards wisconsin cuz maybe they've been the most consistent even when they've had slightly down years they're never that far down uh, mm-hmm. but yeah I, mm-hmm. i'm with you i find those all of those teams to be and and, and endearingly especially the, the those three iowa wisconsin and in minnesota also not just very close but very close stylistically and and their yes. ethos is all the same right they're all these big midwestern you know they kind of want to pound you over the head teams which is again in this day and age of football really endearing uh, and, and i i enjoy watching all of them play and i my initial draft of the ballot i did have iowa in um you know i there were a lot of teams that you sort of wrestle with and but i just I don't know. Their offense has been so frustrating to mm-hmm. me and I'm sure to their fans and I'm sure to their players and coaching staff that um, I thought, you know, at, at this juncture, I just feel a little better um, with Minnesota getting running back back uh, Ibrahim and, mm-hmm. um, you know, having uh, having experience at quarterback. I felt a little better about them. I've got questions about Wisconsin. I didn't quite have the um uh, guts to rank Nebraska until they, until they actually don't create some egregious faux pas in the kicking game and and cost themselves victory. Um, I didn't quite have the guts to rank them, but yeah, I, I think the Big Ten West is going is you know it's almost like the like the like the ACC Coastal has been over the years. Um, this year, I mean, it's mm-hmm. like you wouldn't be surprised really with any result. Uh, Save perhaps with all due respect to my namesake, to, it might be a little surprising <laughs> if the fighting Reese Davis has moved to the moved to the top of the pack uh, in Northwestern. But other than that, I don't think you'd be terribly surprised. In fact, uh, um, I was on uh, with Dan Dockage last week, and Dan Dockage is touting that Aiden O'Connell is going to be a Heisman finalist. And while I like him a lot, I told Dan, I said, "I'll tell you what, 
uh, I, I typically am there for the Heisman dinner gala the night after. I said, you and your wife would be my guests if Aiden <laughs> O'Connell was there that night. And I said, I'll pick up the whole thing for New York. That's very nice. All right. I got to think of who I can like throw my money on there just in case to get, well, a, to get a dinner from Reese. Well, you're not getting Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or Will Anderson. <laughs> fair I'll enough. I'll tell you that. <laughs> fair, very fair. Very fair enough there. Yeah, it, it, it should be a fun race. Uh, unfortunately, I, I – well, and you know what? Let's not count out those fighting Reese Davises because, you know – you know, Pat Fitzgerald, yeah. when you least expect it over at Northwestern is when you sort of get a, a whole, you know, a whole face full of uh, mucked up games in which uh, <laughs> Northwestern is, 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 is kicking field goals at the end to win it. And you, you, you find yourself going, oh, man, look at them. <laughs> look look well, at these guys. I mean, they've got an experienced offensive line and, you know, they're going to play solid defense and they do typically bounce back well. And that's that's one of the more remarkable things I think about what Pat has done in his tenure there, because at most places, once it goes South, I think it's extraordinarily hard to turn it back around. And I don't mean like if, you know, a power program slips to eight and four one year that, Oh, well, it's over. I don't mean that. Um, But when it gets as bad as it's gotten a couple of times in the last four or five years for Northwestern, to then turn around those other years and win the division, yeah. you know, is uh, you know, is pretty is pretty impressive. So you know, they've they've got some uh, they've they've got some skill. Certainly, they've got uh, some strong guys and experienced guys up front. So uh, you know, I think they've got their running back Cam Porter back. Um, so I think he had a knee problem, and he he was really good at the end of the uh, twenty twenty season. So. You know, maybe maybe they'll throw themselves in the mix too. Maybe maybe there will be. There's always somebody that figures out a way that there can be a seven way tie. You know, five and <laughs> right, four, four right. and five, or something like that. So maybe maybe we'll get that. All right, because it's my favorite division because of the the, the all the all the interesting storylines. I got us bogged down in the Big Ten West. So I, I let's That's move okay. away from there. Uh, we've already we've already pre- previewed the Big Ten. Um, again, I don't I don't want to make you feel like you have to have an endless list, but I feel like you may have one more of these teams on here as far as intriguing teams, high ceiling, low floor. I'm just not really sure what to expect this year, but I'm really fascinated to, to see how it plays out. Where else do you go, Reese? Well, I wanted to give you, I wanted to spread out geographically a little bit. There's some candidates. I am, I'm really intrigued by Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't rank UCF. I'm intrigued by them, but I'm going to go with, uh, with somebody that I had ranked pretty high. And I'm really, I'm intrigued by Ole Miss. Um, I know that's an easy thing with Kiffin. <laughs> but <Sure. laughs> those two, those two running backs that they got transferring in, especially Zach Evans from TCU. I mean, he's a big time back. I was so impressed with uh, what little we saw of him last year, but in a limited appearances with Jackson Dart when he was at USC. Mm-hmm. Now I know he's still in the middle of a quarterback race, uh, apparently from you know from what I can ascertain from Oxford right now with Luke Altmyer. But I, I sort of assumed that Dart was going to be the guy because I really, uh, I really liked him. With, with that offensive mind of Lanes, and I know he's going to be a little different this year without Jeff Levy too, um, and also different on defense. But I think, they've, I think they've got a chance as well to be a, a really entertaining team to watch, them and Tennessee in the SEC. Because, I, I mean, if Tennessee can stop anybody, 
than you know just occasionally, then I think they've they've got a really good chance to have to have a big season. Um, well, you know, I, I I didn't I didn't spread out to the Pac-12 for or Pac. Are we calling it Pac-10 now? I think or, we're still Pac-12 until <laughs> as long as there's still 12 teams. I think we still have to go Pac-12. Okay. <laughs> so, so I wanted to sit on that for a second here because we talk about intrigue and you know uncertainty. There's part of, that's going to be sort of a theme to the season because of a couple of things. A, get some new coaches at some enormous programs, right? If you're Oklahoma and Notre Dame, you have good teams, and and we've thrown USC in there, and they they cover two boxes. They they cover the new coach, but also the transfers, right? We're still getting used to what that looks like. Michigan State had a great year based on a lot of transfers last year, and so did Ole Miss, but the sustainability and repeatability of that when you look at Ole Miss, again, just bringing in a half dozen guys and trying to piece them together. I I think one of the reasons why, when we go back to the beginning of our, com- of our conversation, when you talk about, hey, it's hard to figure out who four, five, six, and seven is, is because there's so much instability with so many of these teams when you come to uh, very talented teams with new first-year coaches, which also leads to a lot of transfers in some cases. Uh, and then you sort of sprinkle in this, hey, Michigan has new has two new coordinators, and mm-hmm. Clemson has two new coordinators. I, I think it's one of the reasons why I look at Utah and think, you know, stability might be the, the thing that gets the Utes by. But I just find it so interesting, especially from the transfer situation of – which of these teams that is heavy heavy on transfers does the chemistry come together? Yeah, I, I thousand percent. And because of that, Ralph, if I had to put down a wager today, assuming that um, you know that Alabama and Georgia don't you know each stumble at some point during the regular season and then turn the SEC championship game into an elimination game, you know, as long as you know there's a realistic opportunity for both to make it. If if you started with the supposition that Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia would make the field, if I had to add a fourth and place a bet on it right now, it'd be Utah uh, because of the reasons that you mentioned. Um, obviously, they played Ohio State great in, in the Rose Bowl, and they've got a lot of guys that played in that game. Now, they're missing a couple, especially on defense and Devin Lloyd, but they're you know, they've got a lot of guys back, they've got the quarterback back and the stability. And, you know, and I said earlier, I don't I, I don't like the overuse of culture, but here it's appropriate. The culture that they've established, the culture of toughness that they've established. If I had to put a fourth right now, that would probably be it. Uh, let me let me uh, hit you on this, and maybe we'll get one more fun one out of here before I wrap you up and let you go back to your what I'm sure are really exciting seminars and meetings up in <laughs> Bristol. Uh, be, you know that are in, in, cr- crucial and vital for for your performance this season. You you 25 year veteran of ESPN. <laughs> You do sarcasm extraordinarily well. Well, I, I know you can't say anything because then your bosses might hear this and you'll get in trouble. But nonetheless, yeah, I'm sure these are really important for you. Um, if I had to sort I of, I love more than a good meeting. If I had to sort of take these big programs with new coaches, 
right? Um, you know, listen, I can probably do it by your rankings because you have Notre Dame 7 and o- Oklahoma 9. So that tends leads me to believe that you have more confidence in Notre Dame sort of making that transition. But I, I guess of, of all the new coaches in big places, which one are you most fascinated to see how this works out in the short term? In the in the short term, it, it would be Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman mm-hmm. um, because he really, <clears throat> without any head coaching experience, and that hasn't always gone well at Notre Dame historically. When someone has come in without uh, head coaching experience, whether whether it's Bob Davey or even after some initial success, Charlie Weiss, um, that hasn't always gone well. But Marcus really seemed to really fit you know, really fit in that head coaching role. Some guys seem uncomfortable there, and he did not, at least not in my judgment. So he's he's one. I've been waiting for Venables, too, mm-hmm. though, to get a head coaching job since I first met him before the Oklahoma National Championship game in 2000. I remember having a sit-down in a hotel with him and getting up from that conversation going, that guy's going to be a head coach. And the fact that it was, you know, 22 years later or whatever <laughs> is, I mean, and a lot of that was, was Brent's own decision. Sure, sure he had a good position. Um, but, but I think the biggest thing, and I'd like to get this out there so I can get ahead of it, man, my, my quarterback crush off the beaten path for a guy who I think is going to have a big year, and I loved him previously, is Dylan Gabriel. And mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons that I have Oklahoma where I have them. i I, I thought he was sensational. Now he wasn't cut out to run Gus's offense. And he, I know he got hurt last year. Didn't look the same, but when he was with Heupel and Levy, mm-hmm. and that's a dude now and, and he, he can spin it. And so I think he, I think Oklahoma fans have a lot of exciting things coming their way with him. So, and you know, look, Lincoln, Lincoln's terrific. Um, I, I'm, they were so off last year, unlike, the other two we've mentioned, uh, you know, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, there's a real proven core of players who've been together, although Oklahoma's got a little more instability, I know, with all the guys who left. But you feel a little better about the entire roster there than you do, uh, though SC has brought in a ton of transfers. And I'm my skepticism is based just on what you were talking about earlier. Let me just pump the brakes and wait and see how it all fits together. You know, that that's all. It's not it's – not, being down on Lincoln. It's not being down on any of the guys who've went there or who have gone there, I should say. It's just, I want to see how it fits before I decide that, you know, SC is the be all end all again. All right, Reese, I'm going to let you out of here and get you back to your meetings. I have one question for you though. What are you binging this summer? I, I know. Hey, listen. We fun, you got a little time. I know you got your kids uh, graduating college, so there's a lot of other things going on. Um, but there's got to be one time where Reese Davis sort of like just you know plops into the couch with an old pair of sweats, uh, a stained T-shirt, and decides, you know what? I'm just going to watch this show all day. Well, you're <laughs> you're partially right, Ralph, because I I would not do that. Now I might. <laughs> I might dress down a little bit and take my suit off and just go, you know, like blue Delta jeans and a really nice shirt. But I'm, I'm you know, and if something, if a t-shirt is stained, it should be in the wash or in the garbage. But, uh, but at casual no, athletic casual uh, is, is, uh, okay, is, is, right. is Reese's look. Right. Yeah. I, I have been, I have been known to, uh, 
to don some comfortable shirts. <laughs> I mean, comfortable shorts that are T-shirts. I, I'm kidding, sort of. But uh, by the way, I'm starting something. I, I'm going to start a crusade to stop people from uh, dressing dressing like they're cleaning out the garage when they go when they fly on an airplane. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I digress. Only murders in the building. Okay, it's probably. But have you seen Have you seen that? My, my Martin, Martin I, I, a little dress? bit, a little bit, because my wife and daughter like it. Um, it, it's not their top five shows, but they are. It is on their list, so occasionally I go in and out. And you know what? I like it. It's it's sort of light fare. As I tell my wife, I can't keep watching everything where people. And I know that every murder is in the building, but some of these shows are so intense that uh, the most popular ones. I need a little something a little lighter in my life, so right. it's a good show. Yeah. People want this is going to sound odd, but in that in that show and only murders, people wind up dead, but kind of in a fun way. Right. You know, it's more right. you know, it's more it's more of the intrigue surrounding how all of this is going to fit together. And it is it is lighter fare. And I I tend to move that way in in TV. Now I love the blacklist and, and things, but that's more for the James Spader character of Raymond Reddington. But um I, I tend to like it a little bit lighter too. I don't need to see all this uh, uh, destruction and, and all of these <laughs> awful things happening. Reese Davis is the host of uh, College Game Day on ESPN. Um, we are very much looking forward to that first weekend. We'll see you from Pittsburgh for the backyard brawl. We'll see you from Columbus. Uh, Reese, thank you so much for being a voter. Thank you for all you do. Uh, and thanks for just being a, a great voice of college football. Ralph, thank you very much, and the feeling is mutual. You do an unbelievable job, and it's very much appreciated. And now three and out, first down. Kentucky found itself last week in the uncomfortable position of having to publicly deal with a little spat between its very powerful basketball coach, John Calipari, and its very successful football coach, Mark Stoops. Which, of course, led to the very summer topic of what schools are basketball schools and what schools are football schools. I maintain that pretty much every school that plays major college football is a football school with only a few exceptions. Kentucky, of course, is one of those exceptions. Doesn't mean Kentucky fans don't love their football, but the brand is built on its love of basketball. The other basketball schools, in my opinion, are kind of obvious. Duke, Kansas, North Carolina, Arizona, Indiana, Yukon. I'd also add Syracuse, and I think Louisville qualifies as well as a basketball school. I also think UCLA has to be on the list of basketball schools. That's a tough one for a team that plays in the Rose Bowl and has had a long tradition of good football. But again, the UCLA brand, I think, is built more on championship basketball, basketball greatness. Maybe I'm missing one or two here. Feel free to hit me up if you think. There are a few Big Ten schools like Purdue, Illinois, Michigan State, I'd say, where I guess you could make an argument that the basketball program is as important as the football program to the majority of fans. A few other ACC schools fall into this category as well. Wake, Virginia, NC State come to mind. But I think that the list ends at about 10 when you're talking about basketball schools that play FBS football. 
second down. The sites for the last two college football playoff championship games under the current 12-year contract have been locked in. The 2025 game will be played in Atlanta. The 2026 game will be played in South Florida. The return to Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens is the CFP doing a solid for the hosts of the 2021 game that was played after the pandemic season of 2020 and had limited fan attendance. As for the 2025 game, had the playoff expanded, there's a darn good chance that game would have been played in Las Vegas at the new stadium there. But with the current four-team format still in place, the dates for the game to be played in Vegas, I'm told, didn't work. So Atlanta will become the first city to host two CFP championship games. I also think that with those dates locked in, I also think that with those dates locked in, any slight glimmer of a chance that expansion of the CFP beyond four teams could be implemented before the end of the current TV deal with ESPN, well, I think that's gone now. It seems highly unlikely anyway, at least it was highly unlikely anyway, but occasionally, well, let's say back to Commissioner George Klyovkov actually has slip that out there a couple of times that maybe we could still do it. At this point, with those dates locked in, logistics seem to make it near impossible. Third down. Interesting note on the top 25. Only four teams that finished last season unranked go into this season ranked. Texas A&M, USC, Miami, and Wisconsin. The last time there was that little turnover from one season to the next was 2017. There was a lot of volatility in the poll last year, though not very much at the very top where it was just Georgia and Alabama all year. I'm inclined to think that will be the case again this year, especially as I keep pounding into your head how much uncertainty there seems to be among the top 10 teams heading into the season. But a word of caution on that. Those types of volatile seasons are far from the norm. Maybe the twist to this season will be a lot less volatility than we expected. That is the show for today. I'd like to thank my producer, John Radcliffe, for making me sound good. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and just about anywhere you'll get your pods. Please follow so you do not miss an episode. If you have any questions that you'd like my guests or me to answer, email them to aptop25mailbag at gmail.com. That's aptop25, the digits, 25mailbag at gmail.com. I'm Ralph Russo, the college football writer with the Associated Press. Thanks for listening and come back for more next week of the AP Top 25 College Football Podcast.